Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Time for Greg Bell, our good friend from the uh, terrific Tacoma News trip. Covers the Seahawks. He's been on a bench a million times. Merry Christmas, Greg, and Happy New Year to you. This is uh, one of my final two shows of the year, so I wanted to get that in before we do anything further. Thank you, Scott. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you. I appreciate that. So uh, I hope you have a great holiday with your family and a, a terrific uh, time with your friends and everybody else during the holidays. So um, I, I just cannot believe, I guess I can actually believe that Josh Gordon uh, has failed another drug test. I think that, and you guys get the tail end of it because he's already done it all everywhere else. Now he goes to Seattle. They welcome him with open arms. Uh, they everyone's concerned about him everywhere he's ever been. Everybody loves the guy. Everybody thinks so highly of him, and they wish for nothing but the best for him. I get all of that. But it's all a bunch of nonsense because this guy just continues to fail drug tests, and I don't care what he's doing. He's finished in the NFL. I would think so. This is the eighth time now, Scott, he's failed. He's been suspended at some either by the league, overlapping with the Browns, or in some form or fashion eight times, two times in the last 12 months by the NFL. Today was for both substance abuse and performance-enhancing drugs. So it's willfully, obviously, and he played that game yesterday in Carolina, had a 58-yard catch, first big, deep downfield play of, of, as a Seahawk. That knowing he had failed the test. He took the test, obviously, before today, and and just by taking the test, he assuredly knew he was he had failed it. I tried to talk to him after the game yesterday in Charlotte, and, he said, I'm not answering questions. He was very quiet and subdued. I, he, he was really trying to get a new start. In the Pete Carroll's environment, as you mentioned, uh, a lot of nurturing and bonding out here with him. And their teammates invited him to his, their homes for Thanksgiving when was, he was new to the city. And he really wanted this to be a new start. He mentioned last week to us that he wanted to sign a new contract after this season and stay in Seattle. And he hoped he finally found a new home. But I'm not sure how many more chances he has now. It's an indefinite suspension. Uh, he's going to have to abide by the NFL's substance abuse treatment program, which means going to their counselors and their seminars and their testing protocols and all of that to rehabilitate yet again. Uh, I don't know how many more appeals or things he could make to to prove to the NFL that he deserves yet another chance. I'm not, I'm not sure right now if he's going to get it. He's finished. Not getting any more chances. I mean, uh, it's just over. Like, how many chances they've given him? Everybody and their brother, they rolled out the red carpet for this guy. The league, Goodell. I don't Because everyone uh, likes him. I get all that. That's wonderful and cushy and everything and so lovey-dovey. But the bottom line is, I cannot believe with all of the support and all of the things you just talked about that everyone extended their hands and open arms, their homes, everything, doing everything humanly possible to keep this guy on the straight and narrow. And he literally, I mean, the bottom line is he's a junkie. Well, we're not sure what the substance is that he abused this time. He's had a history with marijuana and some alcohol. Uh, we don't know what the test is, a confidential test. We don't know what he failed. 
I will say one thing about the NFL's policy and how they go about this, though, that is subject to debate. He is not, by the terms of this suspension, Scott, not allowed to be around the Seahawks facility, not allowed to be around the team or any team personnel at all. Right. So, so you're taking what, what family unit he has right now in the league, the, the, what he was trying to bond with and nurture and have support with, you're taking that away from him. He's doomed. You're telling, you're telling him at the league, you're telling him, okay, now it's on you to make sure you abide by our terms of our program and you're cut off from your team. So I'm not <laughs> I, they have their reasons for having the test and the, uh, the program that they do and the NFL Players Association has agreed to it and ratified it. But I'm saying there are probably better ways to handle someone who needs support than to cut him off from the support he has. This is, this is like, uh, Greg Bell with us, this is like, and let me just be emphatic here, this is like putting all the drug dealers or the, uh, you know, everyone that sold crack or anyone that was popped in the 80s and 90s, they put them in prison for the rest of their life. Uh, instead of rehabilitating them, they just put them all in prison. If you were caught with an ounce of weed and you had had, you know, two stings, your third pop, you're done for life. Uh, Bill Clinton, three strikes, you're out. This is exactly that. This is taking a guy that needs help more than anyone in the world and saying, you're not allowed to go anywhere near anybody. You're screwed. Good luck. And this guy is doomed. It would seem so that he needs the Seahawks, who frankly brought him in when nobody else wanted to. They were the 28th team. <laughs> 27 other teams passed on him after the, the Patriots put him on waivers for their reasons. And so the Seahawks were the one to give him another chance. And Pete Carroll is one that will do that and thought that he could get something out of him. And, and, and all of that, it, they have to now walk away from him after having him for the last six weeks. And uh, we'll see. I, it depends on the reinstatement. When he could get reinstated he's due to become a free agent in march his contract ends here after the end of the regular season and playoffs to say his future is in doubt is an understatement and he's only 28 years old so uh greg bell with us uh now you have uh turner moore brown uh, or sua tell me uh, uh of, of course lockett metcalf and um, and this guy, uh, the Ursua guy, if I if I mispronounce it, he uh, no, they, right. they they've put him out uh, uh, to pasture. They don't even play him basically. So uh, I, what are they going to do now? Because I heard you know Carroll say this isn't about a blow to our offense. This is about Josh. But let's get past all that nonsense because it is about your offense now. This guy let you down, and you got to do something about it. Well, he only had six catches in the six weeks he was here. The first. Four of those catches were slant routes on third down for five and six yards for first downs, but short routes. And then a 12-yard down route against the Rams the week before this one. So it wasn't like he was an integral part of their offense. He was a threat they had in their back pocket, but they hadn't really unleashed him yet. And they talked about the need to have more downfield throws and that Tyler Lockett has been coming off a shin injury and been really sick for the last three weeks, had not been himself until yesterday when he breaks out with a big game, 100-yard game yesterday. But they were talking that they needed to get Gordon more involved in the offense down the field to see if he still had the big play capability. So they had not really done that yet. Yesterday, as I mentioned, was the first time he had a catch beyond 12 yards, 58 yards, diving, the splendid catch. Right. Set up the third touchdown. But that was the first time we'd seen any of that. Now you're going to have to have a guy like David Moore step back into that big X receiver type role, the big physical guy on the line of scrimmage that Gordon was going to be. 
But Gordon, he only got 25% of the snaps yesterday anyway. So it's not as though he was in the middle of that. Lockett is rebounded and healthier. That's going to help the passing game in the offense. Metcalf has been splendid, but has also put the ball on the deck in the last month. Uh, and, but they, the, the, the physicality, he's a mismatch for anyone that lines up against him, including in the playoffs. And so it's really still Lockett and Metcalf. And then there's the guys like David Moore, Jerron Brown, that need to step down into the role of Josh Gordon. And, and we'll see if they do it. It's a team that still needs to run and wants to run the ball more than anything. Chris Carson, another career high day yesterday, 133 yards. Right. I've talked on your show before, Scott, that this team cannot throw the ball unless it does run because they're off how their offensive line is built and constructed. Do you think Greg Bell, the great rider from the uh, Tacoma trip, uh, do you uh, – honestly, though, I, I have to just say one other thing about Gordon. Like, you know, yesterday with the 58-yard uh, hoist, that was like really what they would like to do with him, I believe, in the postseason was, you know, right. un- unleash him – then because they were bringing him in kind of little by little and then seeing how he's doing i'm sure health wise physicality wise and then you go deep with him on the road in in carolina and you strike gold don't tell me they weren't going to start throwing deep roots to him 20 plus 30 plus in the postseason so that screws that plan up yes it does and and lockett has been a deeper threat in the past but teams have been taking that away lately minnesota played a lot of two deep cover two zone and that's why the Seahawks ran it 43 times for 200 yards in season highs. Lockett's been saying the teams are scheming against his deeper routes. It, you're right. They were going to absolutely intending to use Metcalf more in that role, and we'll miss him now doing that. Again, though, they won't throw them all down the field or have time to, especially against better defenses and teams in the playoffs, if they don't run the ball first with Chris Carson. So uh, tell me what you thought, Greg, of their performance in Charlotte. Very uneven. Boat rushed him in the first half. I thought that that Carolina team looked like it quit in the very first defensive series. A team that has lost six in a row, five and nine, fired its ghost, lost its franchise quarterback, looked every bit of somebody who wanted to be on Christmas vacation or off season already. And then the defense let him back in the game. They overran and over pursued a lot on fly sweeps that the Rams had beat him on. Carolina used a lot of fly sweeps they don't often do as a copycat of what the Rams succeeded in. And then that freed up Christian McCaffrey inside later in the game. But still, the defense got three interceptions, two by K.J. Wright, one by Bobby Wagner. The offense had only three points off those turnovers. They went with nothing in quarters two and three when they could have buried them. It was a 20-10 to 10 game when it should have been about 41-10 to 10 late in the third quarter. Uh, then after it was a 30-10 to 10 game with seven minutes left, Bobby Wagner was hurt. Quandre Diggs went out. He's been brilliant since the trade from the Lions at safety. They had six rookies on the field at one time on defense, Scott, in the final five minutes of that game. Carolina scored two touchdowns in about a minute and a half and made the score look a lot closer, 30-24. to 24. But they can't win in the playoffs if their offense disappears for two quarters of a game like it did yesterday. Greg Bell, what is, uh, let me ask you lastly, uh, they play uh, Arizona this week up there in Seattle and it's like, whatever, nine and a half. I mean, the first time they played them, they beat their ass in Phoenix 27-10. What do you anticipate in this last game? What kind of business do they have to uh, deal with uh, going into this one? Well, they have clinched the playoff berth already, but they can win the NFC West. And yet they could if they win the last two games, depending on how it falls. If it's a three-way tie with Green Bay and 
New Orleans at three losses. The Seahawks would be the number one seed and home field advantage throughout the playoffs. The only three times they've made the Super Bowl is as the number one seed in the NFC. That's how important it is. Teams don't want to come out here in South Alaska in January in sideways rain and 35 degrees to play. That's what they're playing for the next two games. I'm surprised the line's 10, 9.5. I know it was 27-10 in the first game, but that was Kyler Murray's third or fourth career start. Seattle doesn't play blowout games. That's just not what they do. They, they play a style that limits possessions, runs the ball, and then they have given up big leads. And they have kept teams that are not nearly as good close to them throughout games. They won by one point against Cincinnati in the home opener. They, they don't – I would be surprised, frankly, if it's a double-digit game. The Carolina or Arizona excuse me, always plays them tough defensively. I know they've changed with the new coaching staff and not blitzing as much as they used to, but I'd be surprised if this is a blowout. And it's going to set up a battle royale in the final Sunday night of the season. Probably going to become flexed in the primetime game of San Francisco coming up here for, for the NFC West title on the line. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Listen, that uh, will be. yeah, it's going to be fantastic. That'll be the difference between potentially a one seed and a five seed. The loser of that game may end up as a five, having to go on the road to start the playoffs on the first weekend versus number one in a bye. And that would be to Dallas, right? Correct. Right now, that'd be Dallas, depending on what happens with this Dallas-Philadelphia game in the NFC East. But right, right. now, yeah, that the five seed would go to Dallas. Yeah, and that, and that doesn't sound fun because Dallas can actually score and move the ball. they got a great offense. I don't know what's wrong with that team. They're whatever, 7-7 seven, seven now or whatever it is. But there's something wrong with them because you don't put up that kind of offense and numbers and quarterback numbers and everything numbers and passing and running, and then you never win. I mean, they finally won yesterday, but they're a very hard team to gauge or, or to trust or to believe in. i got a real problem with them. Great stuff as always, Greg. Again, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. I love you. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. I was going to talk. Happy holidays. All right. Uh, Greg Bell up at the Tacoma uh, News Trip. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.